0: Welcome to the Theory of DFS podcast. I'm Jordan Cooper, the co-author of the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports, How to Think Like a Professional DFS Player. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass that you can get at theoryofdfs.com. It's uh, it's the entire game theory of playing daily fantasy sports uh, and thinking like, like a profitable, winning, long-term Player, It covers any sport, so it doesn't matter what you play, NBA, NFL, MLB, PGA, MMA. It's it's the complete game theory of DFS, broken down into 10-plus chapters, so pick that up. TheoryofDFS.com, and on this show, every week, we, we, we discuss some of the concepts from the course, uh, the overall mindset of playing DFS profitably as, as a long-term winning player and, uh, join with me as always, Eric Beinfor. I know I mentioned that we, we, we talk about being a long-term profitable players, but I'm assuming that by your tweets, you, you faded the chalk and you still lost.
1: Yeah. Uh, long-term being, being the key. I was not a short-term, uh, winning player. And I think, it's for, you know, as a tournament player and especially the way that I play, it was probably like a very different experience than most people had. You know, people come into the slate like, oh, Mike, Mike Davis or whatever. There's all this chalk on the slate. Right. And I was fading it. And I was uh, my plan of attack was utilizing kind of what we talked about two weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, using the afternoon slate and using late swap and just leveraging that to, to as best I could, depending on how the slate went in the early games. And it went great. <laughs> I faded all the sh- all the guys who sucked that were massively owned. I only had, uh, depending on the the site and stuff, I only had Antonio Gibson and Ronald Jones was my only two plays. So I'm sitting there like I'm starting to I'm counting my money. It's you know it's two. Right, you're two you're three. sitting you're
0: sitting there after the early slate going PMR wins, right? Yes. Uh, like outside yes. of maybe some some Buccaneers stuff that. That essentially, if you got if you got two good running backs from the early games, you got Swift, Gibson, mm-hmm. Ronald Jones, you know, something like that. Like, like okay, give, give me give me my Arizona Buffalo stack and, uh, and and let let me print. And and how did that how did that not happen?
1: Well, I I went back and forth on the the two games that I liked the most in the afternoon. And uh also kind of like I talked about the week before, I write a like a recap article. And one big thing I've been trying to do is sticking to my guns a little bit more and not overanalyzing things. And I think it could be argued, you know, that the Buffalo Arizona game was better and clearly it worked out better. But I was I was just uh more uh excited about the Seahawks game. I felt that there was just Russell Wilson, and I understand, you know, all defensive matchups and all that shit. But I, I just didn't. I felt more comfortable about both the floor and the upside of of Russell Wilson and and everything about that game. I think they're, um, yeah. I just that, that's just how I felt. So I went on. I went on the Russell Wilson and and uh, T K Metcalf and Rams and all that fun stuff. And and, and I, that sucked. Obviously, Russ scored like twelve fantasy points or whatever. That was that was terrible. But then to make matters worse, um, I made the most beautiful swap ever, which got me the lineup, the exact lineup that I wanted. So I tinkered around with taking a step back. I tinkered around with actually playing Mike Davis and Antonio Gibson on the early slate because this build that I had needed a 4K running back, a second 4K running back. But I, I decided to stick with my you know, fade the chalk and play the late swap game strategy, which worked. And then... Jordan Howard gets ruled out, and Matt Breida gets ruled out, and we have uh, Salvan Ahmed from uh, from the Dolphins at 4K, and he was anywhere from 0.2 to like 0.8 <laughs> percent in everything that I played, and I and I swapped him, and I you know a little bit of that we talked about like watching the games and stuff. I, I watched the Dolphins game two weeks ago, and um, you know other than just like he was on the field a lot, which you don't need to watch the games for. I thought he looks pretty good. And so I was like kind of excited about the potential for him coming into the slate anyway. And then like the Jordan Howard thing, it really opened up and he was a slam dunk to me. So I, w- I pretty much went all in on him. And so I was all in on him and Antonio Gibson. Ahmed scores a touchdown on like the, <laughs> like in the first like two minutes. And then I have a, a Seahawks stack with Michael Thomas and Brandon Ayuk as my kind of, uh, you know, secondary, secondary correlation. And Ayuk scored on the first drive of the game. So even more, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm the smartest, I'm the smartest guy ever. You know, I'm like, this is, this is how it's supposed to happen. This is, this is, this is a genius, but I played DK Metcalf and yeah. And I, like I said, Michael Thomas and Russell Wilson. So I think I got like, Fifteen points out of my wide receivers or something, right? <laughs> something, something, just truly horrible. I, I actually still got semi close to the cash line, which is how crazy uh, that slate was. But just you know, Russ, Russ Metcalf, Cup, and and Michael Thomas is just not going to get you there, especially when the Cardinals and Bills game really went nuts at the at, at the end there. But um, yeah, I you know. It's kind of the same thing we talk about, and we'll get into a little bit more of like the psychology aspect of it. I'm not really upset with anything, frankly. I'm I'm like excited. We could argue about the same thing we we say every week. We could argue about should you have played Russ versus Kyler versus Nuke versus whatever. But like, I don't think anybody's arguing. You know, Nuke and and DK Metcalf and whatever, all those guys being good plays it just didn't work out for me. But the overall like plan was fine. It's just, this is just how it's go. That's just how it goes. And frankly, this is how it's gone for me uh, a lot of this year and we're 10 weeks and I've had two good weeks, you know? So um, you just have to be able to figure, make, make sure and assess your process, which is a lot of what we do on here and analyze your process after the fact and make sure that you're still, you know, you're, you're playing well, um, being able to try to understand when you're playing well versus running, you know, like playing well and running bad. Versus playing bad uh, is a is a is a tough thing to do, but it's something I'm really honestly I'm trying to focus on right now because way um, that's really difficult and like the psychology aspect of it and making sure you're not just like spiraling when you're on a when you're on a losing stretch. But um, it's also really important to make sure you know because because I do I do know that long term like I've I've been I've been doing well at this game, but short term I'm not doing well. So you know managing that has been has been something i have been focused on
0: well that's why that's why i look at results db like after every slate and go were the decisions that i made in my lineup constructions for the contest that i play similar enough to other other players that i would have no problem trading yearly results with like not necessarily whether or not they won this slate but Mm -hmm. you take a look and go uh, you know uh, what, what did Chipotle attic do? What did uh, I slew foot you do? What did, uh, I mean, I look at all the, the, the top GPP players and go, well, let me take a look at their exposures. Let me take a look at their lineups. And I go, okay, they, they were over on Russell Wilson. I was over on Russell Wilson. You know, they, 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 they played a bunch of Jacobs. I played a bunch of Jacobs. You know, I tried <clears throat> to jam in, uh, I tried, I faded, uh, I went under on Aaron Jones and Duke Johnson and tried to play Deandre Swift and Antonio Gibson and uh, Ronald Jones, and like, okay, I, that that worked out. I mean, my my whole thing this past slate was I was playing a lot of the wide receivers that were not correlated with stacks. Because I believe that the, the, like Diggs as a one-off was bad because it would be the Allen, Diggs, Hopkins. Mm-hmm. It would be, you know, that game would be the one, if Diggs has a 30-point game, that stack goes off. If, if Lockett, Metcalf, like they got there, like that game goes off. So I'm I'm looking like, how do I place those? I can play those stacks, but how do I play the wide receivers that are not correlated with a popular quarterback? So like Terry McLaurin, like who, how many people are playing Alex Smith? Not many. So give me Terry McLaurin. <laughs> Keenan Allen. How many people are playing Tua? Give me Keenan Allen. Uh, playing mm-hmm. Herbert, right? How many people are playing Tua with Devante Parker, right? Okay, give me De- par- Devante Parker. How many people are playing Drew Brees with Michael Thomas? Give me Michael right. Thomas. So I was, I was playing a lot of cheap running backs. So I had slots for one uh, expensive wide receiver one-offs. So I want the one-offs to be those guys, mm-hmm. those guys from that are not correlated. I didn't I want them to be correlated with the stack. Now McLaurin did okay. 18 points. Parker, horrible. Five points. Thomas, ridiculously horrible. 4.7 <laughs> points. Allen got, got bailed out at the end, but he's still only at 12.9 points. So like, mm-hmm. it's like it, it ruined all my lineups. I mean, like that that construction I went with in a hundred lineups, pretty much. Mm-hmm. I mean, it kind of ruined all of them to to a point. I played sixty six percent Mike Davis, so I mean, I I still played plenty of them, but I was trying to mix in with the running back variants. I'm like, I'm just mixing in a lot of running backs. Play Kamara, play Jacobs, play. So uh, once ah- Ahmed was there, I started I started late swapping a bunch. I I had Travis Homer in there. I was mm-hmm. like, I was trying to just jam in, you know, four K running backs, and then obviously, you know, I'm going down from running back to a four K running back, so I could get up to a high price wide receiver. That is like, well, thank you, Michael Thomas. So like, like, <laughs> like, that's what ends up happening. So, yeah. so I'm jam- exactly the same thing. But I I see in results DB that a lot, a lot, a lot of the sharper players did that. I mean, like, I, I how I I always I always come back to. Like how I learned how to play DFS was by studying what I believed were the best players, and this is before Results DB. Results DB made it so much easier, but before mm-hmm. I would just I would literally go go with contest to contest and, and look at lineups. I would download the CSV and go let me let me let me see let me see Sahil's lineups right when when he was he was big, and and see like how how is he building them that I'm not building them. Not looking at what the plays are. But just like, what's the construction? Like you, you get into MLB DFS and you don't know any better. You know, you start picking out like, oh, who's oh, I'm gonna pick this guy from this team, I'm gonna pick that guy from that team, I'm gonna oh, he's in a he seems too cheap at second base, so I'm gonna pick and then you just look at the good players' lineups. It's like, oh, they're just picking five guys from a team and just like <laughs> oh, I guess the the Orioles went off today, so that guy won. Like Like then you get, then you start learning about correlation and then you look at that leverage. You learn, you learn about, well, why did these guys play this? You know, why was Robbie Anderson in a lot of sharp players lineups in large field GPPs? Well, it was on mine and it wasn't a lot of them because it's leverage off of Mike Davis. So, I mean, like Mm -hmm. once, once you get those concepts, you could, you, you could see them in sharp players lineups, whether or not they won on this specific slate. So, uh, I know, like it seems like we we, this is the sixth episode, and Eric, you've never won, like on on a on a a single episode. But I just want to highlight that not not as as for you to brag, but Hmm. can can you can you list uh, your your over the over your DFS career your top finishes?
1: Yeah, uh, the the probably the funniest one is when Rudy Gobert shut down the world. Uh, Earlier, earlier this year, the last day of NBA before before sports sports shut down, Uh, I shipped just about everything, just about everything, like two hundred thousand or something like that in in NBA. Uh, And you've had like a half
0: a million? uh, Didn't you have a half a million one?
1: Total no. uh, So two hundred in NFL last year on a on a a beautiful one percent Chris Godwin week. That's that's probably my favorite. That, That that was my favorite win. I think you know, being Chris Godwin, being like my favorite player, and him. Being the the reason that I won last year, um, it was on a, it was actually a week similar to this week where they had a big four thousand dollar contest that I think was three hundred to first place, three hundred thousand to first place, and two hundred thousand to second place. And I got I didn't even win it; I got second. Utah Utah Cal won, of course. And but you have uh, a, you have a live
0: you have don't you have a, a live final win or something? A second place? Not,
1: not no 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 wins. That that's the that's like the unicorn that I'm still chasing. But I've been to. Uh eight to ten. I it's it's been quite a few now. I'm not even sure the exact number off somewhere eight to ten live finals. So, you know, I'm it's been it's been good, right? Like a bunch of live final wins or a bunch of, you know, seats at, at live finals that both the world championships and like king of the beach and stuff like that. Um, and then yeah, been lucky to have a couple of, you know, hundred, two hundred thousand scores over the last this is just the last two to three years, you know? So, um, right. So you, so you
0: could, so you could lose every week for the next six months mm, and you're still wildly profitable. Right. Right. So, I mean, I, I just want to highlight that point because it's a, it's a misconception that people have, especially with GPP players, obviously in cash games, if you're just a primarily cash player, like you got to win more than 55% of the time. Like, I mean, like Mm -hmm. just to pay the rake. So in GPPs with the top heavy payouts like people it blows their mind when I tell them that like I lose 90% of slates in GPPs and it doesn't mean you lose you go to zero mm-hmm. right like like I'll play 100 lineups let's say I'm playing 50 lineups in the $9 slant and the $3 play action and doing all of that and I have a $1000 in GPP lineups I could get back 800 I mean that's still a losing day of of 200 in GPP entries uh, and then, uh, there could be other days where I, I get a hundred, I, oh, it's a, a thousand turns into 1100. There's some days where a thousand turns into 80 bucks. Right. And it, it's horrible. And if, even if you're a single entry player, you know, at three max and you just, you know, three, you know, th- three lineups into the wildcat or the power sweep or, you know, in NBA, you're playing the four forty four on FanDuel or something like that, where, mm-hmm. where you, you could, you could lose like, and not even cash six out of seven days of the week. And then the seventh day, you, you, you minimum cash and it's like, well, this is a long season, like one win makes your entire year. So I think people get this misconception. I think they see the general public, like the general, the average DFS player, <laughs> because uh, we deal, I mean, like, like we both work for roto grinders. So we're we're in like the Roto Grinders Discord. I know you have add more funds, so you're you're in that Slack, and even people that have been playing DFS for a while, but especially the newer players doesn't mean they're bad, but just newer players just come in with the expectation they it's it's like the Instagram effect of like you see everyone's like the best parts of everyone's life and not realize like that's one aspect of a twenty four hour day. In the other 24 hours, it's probably just mundane crap and just like just a normal person's life. And people come into DFS and go, well, look at all these guys that win, right? Oh, I mean, oh Eric, Eric's a winner. I saw that big screenshot. And uh, oh, Jordan, oh, he won the slant uh, a month ago. I mean, he's a, he must be a great player. And not realizing that like you lose 90% of the time. Like that's, that is normal. That's not an aberration. Like if you're playing well in GPP, you should be losing 90% of the time. If you're if you're if you're if you're cashing more often, that means you're not playing well enough. It's it's weird to say that the the more you're right, the more often that you're right means that you're not playing well. It means that you're building lineups to minimum cash and while it may feel like you're winning, by the time you get to the end of your year, you're like, well, it seems like I I won often enough, but how come I'm down a thousand dollars? Like, because that's where the rake is, and that's where that's where all all the cost of playing goes to. So when we we come on here and like, you know, like Eric, you're like, oh, you 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 lost. You know, I had two bad weeks in a row. Like, I I didn't do well. I mean, look look who was in my lineups. I mean, I had a snowflake in every lineup. You know, Michael Thomas, I had way too much of, and. That's what but that's what happens. But a mo- literally a month ago, I won fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars like and, and, and a month later, I'm sitting here going, well, this sucks. Right. <laughs> but but you ground you ground yourself by you, this is this is a this is a long term game. So I look at it from a perspective of like, let me take a look at my NFL season as a whole. Like, how much am I up for the season? Well, wildly up. I'm wildly up for the season. So two mm-hmm. bad weeks, whatever. I, I can't expect to win every week. I shouldn't expect to win every week. I know, intellectually, I shouldn't expect to win every week. And I think that the general public average GFS player, like, for instance, uh, at the at the end of the year, I always I always uh, publicly and transparently show my, my results. Like, I'll post my roto tracker shit on mm-hmm. Twitter especially at the end of the year. I go, here's, here here's what I did. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yes. Yes. I lost money in golf. Yes. Yes. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. It just, I, I played a win and I, I just haven't gotten there yet. Uh, but, but people look at like a $50,000 win and go, okay, well, that means you've won at least $50,000. It's like, well, how about the, how about the 300 days that I lost?
1: Mm-hmm. Like
0: you're losing 200 here, 300 there, whatever. Like, so, the end of the year a $50,000 win could turn into like a you know a net profit of like $26,000 and people look at that and go oh, well I thought you won $50,000 like yeah but you have to lose in order to win like it's not it's not the type of thing that if you're not winning $50,000 you're breaking even every day no you're you're losing money every single day every GPP's players chart looks something like did, did, did slow down, slow down, slow down, big spike, slow down, slow down, slow down, big spike. You hope it's slow down. Sometimes it's a little bit, a little bit, a little bit <laughs> steeper, but that's what, that's what it all looks like. And if you could get one first place win, it depends on how many entries you play. So like, I don't 150. So like when you 150, like, let's say the $9 slant, you're paying $1,350. Versus playing 50 to 70 entries that I do, which is more like $500 to $600. So if you're 150, if all the people that 150 stuff have to win way more often than I do. Of course, I'm obviously putting in less, less, less entries. I'm less plus EV entries. So I think uh, a lot of people know the known names of DFS. Like I could I could go to... To roto grinders at the at the rankings, I know there there are plenty there are plenty of people that are good gbp players that don't link their accounts, like you know like Ricky D isn't isn't on the leaderboard, uh, but I could look at the, the just like the overall ranking of, of roto grinders and people know these names right: Awesomeo, Machloven, Trumpoliatik, Uticao, Papa Gates, BK Reader, Petty Theft, Giant Squid, Brick Seventy Five, JK One Twenty Three, FJ Born, Hishboo, Techmo twenty seven hoop Iggy Dash I Slew Foot U Rinnpack uh the, the Pro eighty eight and uh, Tom JK three twenty one mav seventy eight Chess is okay uh that Stunner Colin Bennett Hits ah, Pat the Check CSU Ram Dark Manaluk E Hafner like do do I have to keep on going I mean like Tyrannosaurus Rex Squirrel Patrol the Colts, I mean like. These are the people that it's like, oh, these are the guys that you always see at the top of the leaderboard, right? right? But it any time that one of them is on the top of the leaderboard, like 99 of the others lost money that day, mm-hmm. right? So even if you see in a daily sport like NBA or N- MLB, because it's every day and you're like, oh, oh, the Osimo won. Oh, he won again. And it's like, well, when's the last time he won? It's like, oh, I remember seeing him like, uh, like two or three weeks ago. It's like yeah, and in between those times, he lost every slate. I mean, like, <laughs> like, like, but and then you and then you saw giant squid at the top. That that means that awesome a lot could possibly have lost eighty percent on that given slate. And but now giant squid is at the top. But you see, you remember these names. It's confirmation bias of like, oh, these are the guys that always win. And if you looked at their roto tracker charts, and some have posted, and it's like, oh, I thought you, I thought you won all the time. It's like no, you're selectively taking out the the few screenshots that you give and not seeing the big downswings. Now at the end of the year, you know, they, they are ahead, but it's not like, it's, it's not like, like I said before, of like you win 50,000. It's like, Oh, you, you at least made 50,000 this year. It's like, no, well, how about, how about all the losses that I had? Like I, I need to, I need to make up for the losses. I need those big wins to make up for the losses. And as, uh, as petty theft said, uh, in one of his streams, this was like a year or two ago, that if you haven't, I, I think I think it's a little bit dangerous to say, but I believe it's true. It depends on who's listening. Uh, if you haven't gone on an uncomfortable downswing of an uncomfortable amount of money in your DFS career, that means you're not playing aggressively enough, that you're not playing well enough. I agree. Right? If you haven't gone on a downswing when you question whether or not you should even be playing the game ever again. Like you where you're going, when you're going, uh, all those wins that I had, they could have just easily been luck. I'm just, I'm just a shit player. Like I either, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm doing what I normally do. And, uh, I have, uh, you know, two months of, you know, a very big downswing. And you're thinking of like, well, should I just make this a hobby and go get a regular job? Or like you, you, you think in those terms, uh, but if you haven't had that yet, one, uh, you're, you're not playing well enough if you're mm-hmm. a GPP player 2 uh, you're not playing seriously enough and objectively enough to, cause you shouldn't be on, you shouldn't be on cloud nine all the time. You're it, it, no one wins that often. Like it's, it, it's statistically impossible. You're not, you're not going to be sitting there winning first place. You know, uh, you know, I, I see some people in the RG discord that are like, they they literally come in expecting that they're going to compete for gpp's like in the top 10s of large field gpp's like a couple of times a month I'm like dude having that sweat is special that when you're at the top and you're 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 within reach like if you can get that one or two times a year just the sweat and then you come in eighth place like that's that's special like mm-hmm. it's and especially if you if you're not playing 150 entries you're playing if it's playing single entry, playing three max. so i the, the only reason I say that it's dangerous to say something like that is I don't want to get make it as an excuse of someone that's right. losing and doesn't realize they're just not playing well of like, well, it's okay that I lost fifteen thousand dollars because you know, I know it's an uncomfortable amount and and I, you know, I, I can't <laughs> tell my significant other about it and they'll kill me. but this is this is to me, this is already after you've proven to be a profitable. Mm -hmm. This is not necessarily like you should still practice uh, bankroll management. And I I think that's where I think that's where where people uh, go wrong, because when I say uncomfortable swing, like I play poker for for a living for five years, like you have to get in the mindset of that. Your bankroll is not real money. Like whatever's in your bankroll is not is 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 it's like your stock portfolio. It could go up and down on any given day. If your stock portfolio went down four thousand dollars on a day, like you wouldn't look at it and go, "Wow, that's like that's like three mortgage payments." Like, no, like it's your stock portfolio. At the end of the year, it's probably going to be up. So who cares about what happened in this specific week or day or something? And the same thing with your, your poker bankroll and your DFS bankroll. So I would have uh, a, a losing day and be like, "Well, the the eight hundred dollars that I lost is not is not my rent." Is like that. Like, I'm playing tomorrow, right? I mean, like it's. Mm-hmm. what's going to happen at the end of the year? Am I profitable at the end of the year? Am I, pro- You know, what's the long-term picture and the same thing in DFS of like, no, like I, I, I didn't lose a Honda civic, right? I, <laughs> I, I, I didn't like, it's, it's, it's my bag. It's a, it's, it's an investment. It's supposed to go up or down, but you can't, you can't psychologically, you still, still are going to have trouble going like you lost X amount of money. And then equating that to some type of real life, type of thing of like, wow, I just, I just, I just lost what it cost us to go on vacation for three weeks last year. Like I, like, like an entire three week vacation, like I lost in a span of, of six hours. Yeah. But of course, you, don't think of, it, you don't think of it the other way of like, when you win that, you don't think, right. You just go, Oh, I won. And I have extra money. But, <laughs> yeah. but, Oh, that
1: was easy. That was, that right. Was that, easy. that was easy. Oh, okay. <laughs>
0: now. I, but I think, I think that's where a lot of people go wrong. Even good players that when they win, they, they spend the money on stuff and then when they lose, they don't drop down in stakes and it becomes a cycle of like, that's why when people, Oh, you won $50,000. What do you do? It's like, I do my customary thing of, I buy the Jersey of the lowest owned player in my lineup. And that's kind of a trophy for me. Other than that, Mm -hmm. like I'm not doing it, it goes in my bankroll. And now I'm, I'm playing 2% of whatever that number is like, like nothing. It's just an investment. It goes up and down. But I don't think many people i know in Alan Lem's article on on roto grinders which we'll we'll link in the uh in in the in the in the description of the youtube video and in the in the podcast uh I just don't it, to me it's not that like med, handling the mental side not many people talk about but I also don't think that in this day and age of twitter and Instagram and whatever and YouTube and people doing content and things like that, that like it, it looks bad if you, if you post losses, like if you talk about your losses, it makes, it makes it sound to the average person that you're, that you're a losing player. And that's why so many people believe that winning players win all the time. When in fact, winning players lose 90% of the time.
1: That's a, uh, First of all, shout out to to Alan. Alan is at Alan Lem DFS on on Twitter. And it's funny that he wrote this article at this exact time because kind of like we were talking about, I like I am going through one of these down swings, right? And even and and I do feel like I am in a good enough place to where maybe you know, and I've done this long enough and I've had down swings before and up swings and managed this cycle. Maybe a little more than say the average person has, so I feel like I'm in a good enough spot. But everyone's human. I, I, I'm sure as shit human. Sunday was like one of the most tilting slates I've ever like I've ever experienced. Like you know, literally counting my counting my winnings. You know, uh, midday only to get it just ripped away from you. It's just you know, but, but that's the that's that's the roller coaster. And so Alan comes out with this article at like the like. I think it was you know it's funny how shit like that works out for me it was like it was like the perfect time um it's such a it was such a good refresher and like i said every everyone is human and to your point about like whether it's people like us that are creating creating content or you know just the good players out there on twitter but you know it's it's fun to post your your big wins and stuff like i don't give a shit people bitch about that like post whatever you post whatever you want right who who cares whatever makes you happy but it does create this ecosystem where you know people don't really understand the how how this game really is and i think it's important for people like us to have this conversation and be real we were talking about uh before the show of something else but like being real and being honest about like these kinds of things are fucking important like we could sit here and talk about oh here's all the money we were talking earlier here's all the money I've won over the last three years check out my check out my big wins well but in between those big wins there's a lot of miserable fucking time. <laughs> there's a lot of miserable times and downswings like this right because we start this podcast and I haven't won a week in NFL <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't won a week in NFL right we start theory you know theory, how to play like a winning DFS player here's here's how I'm doing it and here's how I'm losing every week right that but that's like that's the part that, like you said, that is so important that people don't understand. And I'm really happy that we're talking about it. I'm happy that Alan, Alan wrote that article because, like I said, it came at a perfect time for me because everybody is human, I think, um, and people don't realize that. You know, I'm putting out now like a ton of content. You're putting out a, a ton of content. I'm grinding. So so you know, so many football slates. I play I play college football. Um, you know, I'm grinding like every day. And Alan's article kind of comes out, and you get caught in that grind. And it's every day, this roller coaster like, oh, okay, You know, and there's not enough money to be made in college football for me to ever make up for NFL losses. So NFL still like makes or breaks your your week every, you know, so it's just this roller coaster. And even people that have been through it, um, you lose perspective sometimes. I do. I lose perspective sometimes. Like, you know, you have this awful slate on Sunday and I'm just like, well, you know, another one, another, you know, another one down. And I thought that you know, you have the emotions where you think that was going to be the one that was going to be the one that gets you back. Right. I was. Oh, I'm going to finally you know, get back into the green for NFL this weekend and, it, or, uh, you know, this year. And it, and it doesn't happen. And you start to think you do. I think you tweeted it. You start to question your human. You start to question, am I doing
0: am I playing well?
1: Am I doing this right? Right.
0: In DFS, it's really hard to be objective. Because you, you 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 could be building plus EV lineups, and like I, I always explain it that what we're doing is rolling a five hundred sided die, but we have an edge, so it's be, we're actually rolling a three hundred sided die, right? <laughs> so like it, it instead of a five hundred sided die where you'll win one out of five hundred, we have enough of an edge where we'll win at one out of three hundred, and that's but you'll still lose two hundred ninety nine of them. I mean like you'll. And right. you, don't, you don't know right. when those wins and those top fives are going to come. So, like, I judge a lot. Uh, I know Colin Drew has talked about it. By looking at Rototracker, they have a, a top percent finish in GPP screen. And it's like, if I could get to my lineups to the top 1% more often than they, they're expected to, like, what else could I ask for? I mean, like, I need to put my lineups in the position to win. How many liners mm-hmm. can I get into the top 1%? How many liners can I get into the top 0.1%? At that point, it's variance. At that point, the difference of coming in 12th and coming in first, what more can I do? There's, not, there's nothing more. I built, especially in large field, I built a, whatever. If, if the guy gets a touchdown or Nick Chubb runs out before he scores, or whatever, then right. I can't I can't do anything about that. All I could do is build my liners to be put in a position to win first place, and there are so many people— I I say it's the biggest edge in DFS, in GPPs. This is why I play large field GPPs. And and Alan put it very well in in his article that he has a quote, I developed a healthy fear of being wrong and figured out an approach to decision-making that would maximize my odds of being right. And to put into DFS terms, you could be wrong 49 out of 50 nights, But when you were right that one night, it should make up for those 49 losing nights. Exactly what we said. The problem is that for many of us, being wrong 49 out of 50 nights is mentally taxing. So sometimes we find more comfort in making, quote, safer choices in our DFS play that minimize those losing nights in exchange for tournament winning upside. Or said more simply, sometimes we find more comfort in min-cashing more often so we don't have to feel the sting of losing. I fall into this trap often. That to me, that is the biggest edge in all of DFS. It's why I play large field GPPs. Because you download these CSVs, you what you you see people building lineups, and it's like there's a cash lineup, there's a cash lineup, there's a cash like like you have a lot of min cash equity there, but dude, you ain't gonna win with no leverage. You ain't gonna win. I mean, you're you're playing you're playing the best plays. Like good luck with that trying to win first place. Doing I'm trying to win the low scoring slates. I mean. You're trying to win the yeah. slates where you need 330 points. Like it's 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 so rare. It, it you, you you might as well you, you might as well play double ups. You're not going to cash. You're going to come 1.5x seven weeks out of 17, and it's going to feel like you've won, but you, you, you've you've bled money away. And you had this is why I I talk to people that I've been playing for four years, and I know ne- I've never had come close to a top whatever finish. And I go then you're but and then they go well I'm not losing much. Like, I feel, I feel like I'm doing like, they'll say I'll, I'll like, I've made some money. I'm up and down. I'm probably, you know, break even ish type of thing. But I've just, I, I, I play nearly every day and not for much. I mean, these are people, it could be dollar, $3, $5, -hmm. whatever. It doesn't have to be a hundred dollars or more or something. And they go just like, I, I don't, I don't get it. I can you help me? Like, how do you, how do you like, I, all I want to do is win one. It's like, if I could win one, it's a hobby to them. Like they just want to do it to, for the pride sake of like, I want to come close to at least winning one. And I tell them how to play and I go, and they show me their lineup and I go, go, Oh, I wouldn't play this lineup in that contest. And they go, why? This guy's a good play. That guy's a good play. This guy's a good, great. They're good plays. Right. They have great medians, right? That's what I would play in double ups. You're absolutely right. You ain't going to win a contest like that. It's like, like, well, you telling me to play the worst plays. I said, no, play similar plays that are a little bit worse that are way lower owned. So the difference, uh, how, well, how do you play, how do you play Jimmy Butler against the, the, the bucks? Because of the defense, it's like, well, cause he's Jimmy Butler and who cares? I mean, like, like that's that, it sounds so simple. It's like, well, he's going to be 4% owned cause no one wants to pay for small forward this late, right? Everyone's paying up at point guard to play James Harden. And you play, you play Jimmy Butler. Instead of playing James Harden, play the guy that is negatively correlated with him. So play Russell Westbrook. Right mm-hmm. now, obviously, on the Rockets, they both of them may be gone at some point. If you yeah. listen, to this, <laughs> listen to this, a month yeah. from now, uh, yeah, exactly. But, like, yeah, when Harden's 56% owned, Russell, uh, Russell Westbrook's 13% owned. So, like, okay, flip the script and do that. And then they go, Well, isn't that the worst play? I said, No, it's actually the best play for the contest that you're in. For first place equity, that's the best play. It's not who has the best median in GPP, it's who what lineup give you the best shot at winning first place like that. Mm-hmm. And it's not even the players. That's the play, whoever you want mentality of like, once you got one guy in the lineup, it's like, well, correlate that guy and then leverage on that spot. And then it, you could, you could play wherever you want that depending on the lineup construction. So don't, don't worry about who the best plays are, but this is the edge in GPPs where, especially I know I rail about flat payer structures, Uh, and other sharper players disagree with me. And I understand why it's flat payout structures. What I don't like about payout structures on like on any site is that it's a hundred thousand, the first 40,000, the second, 20,000, the third, 10,000, the fourth. By the time you get to 10th place, it's like $700. Right. And like the the steepness of the top 10, like it's at that point from 10 to one is, is, is variance. It's luck. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to position myself up there. And if the difference between coming in first and fifth is so dramatic and you don't get there that often, like I want to get rewarded enough that I'd rather it be 50 to first, you know, 50,000 to first, 40 to second, 30 to third, 20 to like something like that for, for the sake of risk tolerance. Like it's not truthfully the way that I play. I should want top heavy payouts because so many people are building lineups with min cash equity and not first place equity. And since I'm building first place equity, I want first place to be as much money as possible. Like that in technicality, that would be more advantageous for me. It just, it won't happen as often. I have to be able to survive in -hmm. between those times. And that's why like last year I was tilted. I was fake tilted, Eric. Uh, (laughs) Last, last, last MLB season, not this COVID baseball season, but the season before I, I got a first place in MLB and a second place in MLB in large field. My second place was 30,000. My first place was 25,000. <laughs> you know, you know why? Because that was the night. Cause I, after complaining and bitching and moaning, especially I'm on the DK committee and I constantly bitch and moan about the flat payouts. They, they, said, they said, okay, this season we'll roll out a couple of, you know, we'll try to get flatter payout structures. And, of course, that Friday night that they roll out a 25K to first flat, 25 to first, 15 to second, 10 to third. Like, really, what I love, that's the night I win first place. Right? <laughs> it couldn't be the 100K to first night. It couldn't be the 50K to first. I win that first place night. But but that's what I mean. But th- that's the reason why, like, I, I'm – I'm thinking more from a risk management perspective because I'm a nit. Mm-hmm. But in all technicality, it really should be top heavy because so many people have this attitude. So many people, I'm only playing three lineups. So I can't, I, I, I can't play like you. I can't, I'm not playing 50 lineups. I can't play like Osimo. He's playing 150 lineups. Like he could take risks. I can't. I said, well, why can't you take risks in three lineups? Like, why, you're playing three $10 lineups in a big contest with 117,000 entries. So build those three lineups to win a contest of 117,000 <laughs> entries. It's like, yeah, but what happens? When, uh, I, I'll take a risk in this lineup, a risk in that lineup, and a risk in that lineup, and all three lineups will lose. I'll, lose. I'll lose all my $30. I go, and? Like, and? That, that is what happened. That is normal. That's normal. Like, if you're putting in three entries into a large field contest, and, and you spend a week, and you lose all 30 bucks, every single slate for seven days in a row. Like that's not abnormal, that's, that's, that's normal. Like if, if that $30 represents too much to you, you shouldn't be playing those contests. Like you're, you're playing above, above your head or you have such unrealistic expectations. And then what ends up happening is that they try doing that. They go, oh, God, I'm gonna take some risks. They lose a couple of days in a row and they're like, no, nah, no, nah. they totally go, no, nah, no, nah, I'm just gonna, pl- I'm just gonna play Shh. the best plays. Right, because what ends up happening, Eric, right? This, this is this what happens, uh, especially in daily sports, because you could at least get into a rhythm. Like NFL is kind of like you, you have to dwell in your loss for like an entire week, pretty yeah. much. But what ends up happening? That th- this is the cycle. I, I try to stay away from this cycle. I, I'm, I'm I I consider myself very centered, so I don't get into this trap. But I know this trap exists. That uh, you you go into a, a week a slate and you go okay. I'm going to make a fancy play and I'm going to fade the 70% own guy, right? And I'm going to play the leverage. I'm going to do what Jordan says. I'm going to fade that guy completely. I'm going to play whoever I want. I'm going to play the guy that's negatively correlated to that and then correlate that guy to another the other side of the game. And then, oh, everyone's paying up at center? I'm going to pay down at center, right? I'm going to play Enos Cantor or something like that. Right? Everyone's playing Embiid. I'm playing Enos Cantor. And they do that. They think they're all clever. And you know what happens? The chalk smashes. It's just like <laughs> the 70% on guy has 50 points. And you're sitting there going, maybe I should just play the chalk. And then the next slate, there's, there's we have someone sitting, you know, Blake Griffin sitting or something like that. And. You know, all of a sudden, some Langston Galloway is chalk for no reason. You know, <laughs> something like any like no, no, no. I got seventy percent Langston Galloway. I gotta play him now because yesterday, like I faded that guy and I got burned. And you to play Langston Galloway. He sits there with, he gets twelve points, and and and, and you go, well, I can't win playing this way and I can't win playing that way. It's like, well, this this is normal. Like you don't have to like yes, maybe maybe on that slate you make some lineups this way. Maybe on that slate you make some lineups this way. It's just, it's it's hard to convey to people that want to play seriously. I'm not talking about the recreational people. The, 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 the mash buttons, have fun, do whatever you want. Uh, but the people that are looking to play seriously, maybe have a smaller bankroll, are just getting started, or even just two, three years in, and now, you know, they went to theoryofdfs.com. They bought the audio course. They're like, okay, I'm going to take this seriously now. And then they lose... <laughs> They, they lose two weeks in a row, like in NFL, like just two slates in a row, two main slates mm-hmm. in a row. And they start questioning like, every, like oh, I, I, I can't believe I'm losing every week. It's like, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm also losing every week. And they're like, well, how do you win if you're losing every week? And it's very hard to wrap your mind around the fact that like I asked people like last MLB season, like I made like $40,000. Said, how many slates did I lose money on? And in MLB, you're playing like every day for like 180 days, right? It's a six month long season. I ask mm-hmm. people, how many slates have I lo- did I lose money on? And they, and they, and they, they overcompensate because they think I'm asking a trick question and go, I don't know, you'll lose like 60 or 70%? And they think they're overcompensating because in their mind, they're like, no, you only lose like maybe half the slates, maybe 40% of the slates that you lose. I go, no, I lost 94% of slates. And they look at me like, like how the fuck did you win forty thousand dollars losing ninety four percent of slates? Said so, because that's how that's how you make forty thousand. That is how you make that money. If you're min cashing too much, that means you're not playing well. That's not yep. a profitable strategy. But the thing is that you have to be able to mentally be able to take losing over and over and over and over and. And over, and <laughs> over. I mean, and over. So, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna play this vomit stack. Well, they got shut out. Okay, next tomorrow, right? You go. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna play Bradley Beal over over Jimmy Butler. And they're like, oh, okay, that did work. Okay, next tomorrow, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. So, but uh, I think this guy's way too old for that. Oh, it doesn't matter. The donkeys get there anyway, right? You you go into PGA and you go. There's no way this guy's in a full 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 per in a full. 154 field, where this guy's 37% owned. Like, that's, uh, he's way too over owned. How do you play that guy in PGA with a cut? And then he goes on the T1. And they, 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 I mean, he like, wins, yeah. right. He goes on in the, the <laughs> like, what am I doing here? MMA, you go and it's like, okay, well, I got to make some unique lineups. Uh, more people are going to be on, on, on the, 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 the there's always like a 50 50 fight. In MMA, there's like, you know, in the 82 to $7,900 range. And it's like, okay, people are overvaluing this guy. It's going to be like a 70-30 split the other way in ownership. So I'm going the other way. And then that guy scores 130 fucking points. So it's not it's not only that he won, but he also becomes like the highest scorer on the slate. And you're like, well, I went the other. I, I, I have him in like two of my lineups, and then the other, like 30, I got the other guy. So now, now okay, now throw that slate out. Uh, <laughs> And MMA is only like once a week. So you do that all the time. Uh, and in NFL, you're getting like 17 slates plus the Thanksgiving and the playoff slate. So maybe you're getting 20. And a 20, I mean, 20 slates is three weeks of baseball of a six-month season. So like, understand that NFL is such a small sample size that like you, you could, I, this year, like until I won $50,000, on week what six week seven whatever the hell it was, like I I go into a season going I, I could play seventeen weeks of, of NFL and come out a loser, like and, mm-hmm. and any good player can because it's 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 only seven it's only seventeen weeks, right? It's not if you if you come out a loser after one hundred and eighty slates in baseball NBA, okay, but that that's that's a very bad season, like I've I've in my five years of playing, of course I've only played ml uh, MLB and NBA for like three plus. Like I've always had at least one top three finish, whether it be first, second, third, a couple of fifths or something, where I end up profitable. Where I I get out of I get out alive. And it just ha- it happens because I play for that. So it's like my five hundred sided die roll becomes a three <laughs> hundred sided die roll and I'm able to I am I'm able to guess that number, you know, two or three times a year, and that's and that's and that's where the bulk of my my profit comes from, but surviving in between, like if you're not if you're not going to have, pro- like I think the the number one thing that happens is that people don't ha- don't have good bankroll management, and they try to chase losses, and that that's, that's a recipe for disaster. Like that that's this, think- is, this is why I'm a nit. This is why when I say I play two percent of my bankroll, <sharp> and they go why why are you being so so like conservative? I go because I know if if I played more than that, I know. I know how much that feels to lose like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm willing to sacrifice some upside for security and stability and mental anguish. Like, I don't need to make all the money. Like, I'm fine. Can I make fifty to $75,000 this year in DFS? Playing. Just playing. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I'm good. Can I, if I pushed all the limits, can I make six figures? Probably. But... Do, do I want to deal it, with the yeah, risk of mentally? ruin? No, no. Yeah. I, I just say no. I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly, I'm perfectly fine. I don't have to be on the leaderboards. I don't have to go for live finals. Like, just, just give, give me my 50k. I live in Louisville. I have, no, I have no, I have no children. I have a wife and a dog, right? I sell this book. I mean, I look, I look at the, the, the roto grinder stuff that I do and like this course as, like that's what pays the bills. Like that, I, I can play the way that I want to play DFS to make money because my me- mentally i'm going well my the the, the check i'm going to get at the end of the month from roto grinders and uh, the course like that that covers the bills so like my bankroll could be completely separate and be like i i could never take money out of this and i'm still fine so that allows me to like let me play the way that you're supposed to play and let me so i could get a 20 30 40% roi on this money playing the, the way that i have and People don't, people don't do that. People, people look at, you know, a lot of people confuse their bankroll with their life roll, and they go, oh yeah. Right. And I, and I, I particularly, I specifically think that the more money in your bankroll, the more conservative you should be and the less money in it. Like if, if you could replenish it, if you I oh, have $500 in your bankroll, it's like, can you get another 500? Oh yeah. Then fucking go for the moon. Have fun. <laughs> But I mean, you're losing half your bankroll when you have 500 bucks. Is 250 dollars losing half your bankroll when it's 300 thousand is a house?
1: I yeah, mean, it's a right. literally
0: a, it's 150 thousand. I mean, you, you could lose your house doing that. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know what, with your experience. I mean, because I, I I think your swings are probably a little bit shallower than mine since you're playing like single entry three max. Like you, you probably lose more often because and have less sweats because you're only playing you know one to three lineups. Yeah, uh, right. Like me, I, when you play 100 lineups, it's like there, there's there may be something in contention somewhere. There's a lineup in 26th place. Oh, okay. And then I see I have no PMR, so it's like okay, that's gonna, just going to drop. But even in in single entry and three max, even when you're playing three hundred a thousand dollar contests, like they add up. I mean, you 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 draw blanks in NBA for. A, you know a 777 type of thing 7 straight days i mean that's 5 grand like just poof, right. in a week so like how do, how do you deal with it
1: i think a few things stuck out as you were as you were kind of talking about that and on on that that last point it's so i i would say i struggle the most with slates like sunday like i i won't even say like i have the perfect answer for for that when you play well, when, or when you believe that you played well, you, you, and and things mostly broke your way. Right. So like, you know, using this past slate, I faded Mike Davis, Aaron Jones, and Duke Johnson and had all, you said, all the PMR, I'm ready to rock and roll. And it just didn't work. Even though, you know, like that premise, like I was right. Right. We talked about it in the past, like, you know, divorce your, you know, Divorce yourself from like your DFS results. Did you play? Did you play well? You know, I was right. And it didn't, and I didn't get paid off. So I think those are the hardest slates to kind of to manage. Um, setting aside like how much money you won or lost or whatever. Like you said, the way that I play, I definitely have a, a lot less sweats. And I'm like, I've learned to get over it. Like when the, like if, so if I faded Mike Davis and Aaron Jones this week and they both went for 40, I'd be like, okay, on to, on to the next, like that doesn't really bother me. So maybe I'm just a sicko, but like, that doesn't really, I've learned to put my mind in the right space where I trust myself and I trust my, my process. So like when I'm just wrong, like it it does, it doesn't, it doesn't really bother me. And I think kind of piggybacking on what you were saying earlier, I was talking to someone who had a good week this week, um, a little bit more, more casual player, like, you know, serious casual i would call it you know not as serious as us but significantly more serious than like a random casual player in the millie um you know subscribes to sites and stuff like that and uh what they they had a great week one one four figures multiple four figures and uh was tilting after the fact like oh i basically had like fomo of. Uh, Cause like I was, you know, touting like the Mike Davis fade and all that kind of stuff. And, and like, not, I'm not even saying like, was the Mike Davis fade, right. But I like, I had my reasons for why I was doing and he was like, I agreed with you, but I had the FOMO of, I just can't fade the 4k guy. Cause he's going to be chalk or whatever. And how I have like trained my brain, maybe, maybe, like I said, maybe I'm just a sicko how I kind of deal with this emotionally is it pains me more It is more of a risk. I have more FOMO of playing like that conservative style, as Alan outlines it, playing the safer choices that sacrifice my tournament winning upside. Playing that way, that like pains me more. There's more risk playing that way than there is risk playing, you know, doing like I did and fading all this chalk or, like you said, playing these leverage plays, building good win equity you know first place equity tournament lineups there's more risk playing um you know all this all this chalk like you said the guy sends you a lineup i had that exact same thing a a buddy of mine sent sent me a lineup and it was all three of the chalky running backs mike davis aaron jones duke johnson kyler uh or kyler and stefan diggs at whatever it was just like like seven of the six of the highest owned guys and he's like what do you think you know it's correlated I got that, you know, I got that, you know, I'm correlated. I'm a little bit unique here, whatever. And I'm like, dude, you can't, I'm like, you can't play that team. And like, you can't, he, you know, he plays like larger field. I'm like, you can't, you can't, right, play, you that can't team. play that team. And he's like, what do you mean? You know, it's correlated. You know, I'm just, I'm unique enough here. And I'm like, I'm like, and I didn't have the time, you know, Sunday mornings are busy. I'm like, I didn't have the time to like walk walk through every step of the way. I'm like, and I'm like, you can't, but you're not going to win. Like, that's a waste of your money. Like, I'm like, just unreg un- unreg your contest if, if that's, you know, what, what you want to play. And, you know, so to your point, people, I don't think, understand quite that part of it. We're starting to get to, right, this is a casual person, a friend of mine, not a serious DFS player, that understands, like, oh, I got to stack, right? I got to stack Kyler with whoever, and I got to play this game stack even, understands that but doesn't understand the fact that that team has no first place equity. It might even it's probably duped. Right. <laughs> right. It's probably, right, it's pra- probably not,
0: it's probably not even a unique line. Probably you're, you're sacrificing yeah. even more expected value.
1: Yeah. Right. You could win them. You could win the million. You're still only going to win a couple <laughs> hundred grand or something, you know, tops or whatever. Cause you have a duplicated lineup. So it's all to say, I don't have, I, you know, three part answer. I don't have honestly a great answer to, How do you kind of deal with those swings? I actually think for me, it's a lot of stuff that Alan outlined. I think I'm comfortable. I think you need to get the first and foremost, you have to get comfortable with like your process You have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. You have to understand that this whole losing 90% of the time aspect, it just has to get like baked into your, into your brain. If you can't understand, like, this is how I have to play tournaments and I'm going to lose a lot. Like it's a non-starter. You shouldn't even be playing. That it's still tough. It's still very tough. Um, I some of the things like like I, I'm actually so I've been grinding. There's been football every day, right, with like college football and all this kind of stuff. I've been grinding it like since sports came back. We, we I missed sports for so long. I've just been grinding so hard. Um, so I actually like it was refreshing reading Alan's article like this week, throughout the the course of this week. Like even on Thursday, there's the awesome NFL game. Like I'm just taking this week off and just like stepping away, resetting. I got other shit I need to do. We might go back into lockdown where I'm at anyway. So, um, I got some other shit to take care of. I'm just kind of stepping away a little bit and taking a little bit of a mental break because even for me, someone who I think can handle, you know, losing way more than six weeks in a row of, of NFL, it's, you still need to have like mental refreshers and you still need to, you know, make sure and take care of your 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 mental health. And like I said, this past Sunday for me personally was one of the more frustrating ones. So, I'm think I'm like I'm not like just trying to get ahead of. I don't want to just start spiraling, right? Like I trust myself, but you don't want to have okay, Sunday was really brutal. I don't want to just all right, what do we got to do? Let's fire on Monday night football. All right, let's fire on Tuesday night in action. And the next thing you know, you you know, I'm just, you proactively kind of managing, um, this whole thing. And I think breaks are important for, for, everybody and just however works best for you. It might not even be breaks, but like, however works, works best for you managing that, that mental side of it. But the most important thing is kind of what I was saying with wrapping your head around, like my, my biggest thing is the, the, the risk thing people like, I don't want to be risky or I, uh, I was, I feared fading Mike Davis. Like you have to you, you have to get in the mindset of literally the opposite of that. You if your mindset is is I fear fading the seventy percent owned guy, like you got steps to take before you, you know, mentally, like strategically, you have steps to take before you can like really start building plus E V tournament lineups, I think.
0: Well, I think uh, uh Bales or or CSU, one one of them, tweeted uh this out. Uh, uh, maybe a week ago or something, or maybe it was in one of Bale's Lucky Maverick post about that people view like th- there's two ty- two types of people. There's the person that uh that doesn't get married or have kids and like goes and like starts a new venture here and like has no root, ru- does- doesn't have a house payment, you know. And people look at that person as wow, he's being incredibly risky right? Just pack it up and go just pack. Oh, you just pack it up and going. And who knows has no plan five years from now, right? Like nothing like who knows? Wow. That's a risky. And then you have the person that like at 26, you know, already has a kid and a mortgage and a, and a, and a job and a dog and you go and he said like, no, that's, that's the risky one because the, the first one, the upside exists the second one there's you there's no outs to you having like if you take a look i mean you you, you hear this i mean there's a common trope that you know you get to 50 years old or something and you're like wow i did nothing with my life right it's like like oh i did everything that mm-hmm. i was supposed to do and it feels like i'm not fulfilled right like you get to fi- you hear that not uh, it's not going to be me cuz i i i'm I'm, right. I'm the other person right i'm the other other yep. person that has says spent most of his life trying to never have a real job. And people look <laughs> at me and go, well, you did standup comedy. You played poker for a living. You did a video game site. You had a tech podcast. I failed at half of the stuff that I did. Right. I got to the point with comedy that I could make money, but not enough money. Right. And then it's like, okay, well do I, do I feel like moving to Los Angeles? Like, I don't feel like doing that. Like I could get a writing job and it's like, I don't feel like writing. So it's like, I'm going to get into poker and like, okay, I'm good at poker. So I'm going to do that. Like, People look at that as like, oh, that's the risky lifestyle. It's like, no, to me, to me, that's that's the safe one. I can I can pivot. I have a skill set that worst case scenario. What's the worst case scenario? I could get a sixty to eighty thousand dollar job doing web development or digital marketing or something like that. That's, that's those are my core skills. I don't I don't want that to be my living, but I can still do it, right? I could I could get a I, I that's my fallback. But when that is your job, there's no such thing. Oh, uh, my fallback is uh, being a rock star. It's like, no, you you can't, you can't do it. Like, why don't you try to be a rock star? Try to do, do what, I mean, I don't want to get into like, that's how you should be living your life, but people view that as the risk. But in fact, that's mm-hmm. the safe, that's safer in the same way that when you play DFS and go, well, I got to play Mike Davis because he's 70% owned. And then I got to play Duke Johnson. And then I got, I, how, how do you how do you fade the 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 Cardinals and this and the and the that game the Bills game because that's the top like how do you how do you do that I last night how do you fade Dalvin Cook on showdown like how do you how do you how do you do that I mean come on he's the most like you you could do it you could build there are lineups mm-hmm. that you could build that do both it doesn't mean that you fade Mike Davis it means can you build a lineup without Mike Davis that you feel has first place equity in the contest that you're playing. Go and try to do it and then look at the lineup and go and pretend Mike Davis doesn't exist and go, can this win? If you go, yes, then fucking play it, right? Then you can build a lineup. Okay, I'm going to build a lineup with Mike Davis, but I'm going to, now I'm going to play, I'm going to play some other stack that no one's played. Like I'm going to Alex Smith, McLaurin and Logan Thomas and run it back with uh, Marvin Jones. Maybe that game goes off and the other game's done. Like, and that has Mike Davis in it. And uh, okay, you could build the plus EV lineup with Mike Davis. So once you get into the mindset of that you could build lineups with first place equity that have chalk as well as not have chalk, then you're at least centered from a perspective of not going, not looking at people like what most DFS players do, average ones, thinking of players and not lineups. I got to play this guy. I got to play that guy. Like, no, you just got to play lineups. Right, If you're playing double-ups, sure, you got Mike Davis in the line. Okay, we get it. He's the highest median for 4K. Great. Go do it in your double-ups. I'm not going to question that. But in Shoot. GPPs, you could have lineups with him. You could have lineups without him. You could have lineups with both Davis and Duke Johnson and still get different enough and have first-place equity. A lot. Yeah. Most of the time, I, I tried building those lineups. I didn't think I could. So it's like, I don't want to play Davis and Duke Johnson together. I'm going to play DeAndre Swift instead of Duke Johnson. Okay. And then since I'm playing the Lions, I'm going to play McLaurin on the other side, who's coming in at like 12% owned. So I get leverage that way. I was like, okay, they're correlated, whatever. And then, oh, if I'm playing McLaurin, why why don't I put in Alex Smith and Logan Thomas there because tight end sucks. So I'll correlate and hopefully that goes off. So there you go. I got a three plus one with whatever. Like, there you go. There's a lineup. And now, can you build... Lineups like that, regardless of whether you're playing one or three or 10 or 150 build lineups like that, with that mindset. And maybe you don't play them all. Maybe you have to work, you have to work up to that. But if you're going to play five, a lot of people are like, well, I only play three lineups, or I only play five lineups. It's like, okay, how about this? Build 20. Go build twenty. Build build one without Mike Davis. Build one without Duke Johnson. Build one without Green Bay. Don't build any Green Bay. Don't play Aaron Jones or Devontae Adams. That's don't build one without. Build twenty of them. If you're gonna play GPPs, build twenty. You're not gonna you're not gonna play all twenty, but you're gonna build all twenty. You build it by hand because you haven't learned how to use an optimizer correctly. So you build it by hand, and then on Sunday. You're either doing the Sunday morning or Saturday night, and then, then choose the five you want to play. But you're not going in going, well, I got to play. Not all 20 have Mike Davis in it. Not all 20 have Duke Johnson in it. You're going and going, here's the mental state I want to be in. It's like, let me build, let me build a chalk build, which would be like a cash lineup so I could see what other people are doing. Then the second lineup you build, it's like, who's the highest on player in, in the lineup? Well, take him out. Now build the lineup. And build it as chalky as you want, just without that that most expensive player, that most owned player. And then go to the next one and go, well, if I'm not going to play the most owned player, who's negatively correlated to that most owned player? So now you get the concept of leverage. It's like, well, I'm going to play Robbie Anderson in this lineup. So, well, if I'm going to play Robbie Anderson, why don't I play Teddy Bridgewater? So I play Todd Teddy Bridgewater and Robbie Anderson. Well, if I'm going to play those two... Why don't I, why why don't I fill my tight end spot with Rob Gronkowski? Because that at least is, now I'm giving a two plus one. And if I'm not, if I'm going to play Rob Gronkowski at the tight end and and paying there and then paying it Robbie, Robbie Anderson, I'm going to need some cheap running backs. So, uh, I'm going to play, uh, I'm going to play, uh, uh, Antonio Gibson, right? So you play Antonio Gibson in the lineup. It's like, well, I got a wide receiver slot. I can play Marvin Jones in, right? The other side of the net. By the time you get to the end of it, you've built a very good lineup. Now go to the next lineup. And then go to the next lineup. And go to the next lineup. And even if you're only going to play three, even if you're only going to play one, go through the exercise of building 20 of them and then choosing the one that you want to play. Choosing the three that you want to play. Just so you're not in this mindset of, I only have three lineups and uh, I can't fade Mike Davis. Like You'll see that there are lineups that you can make that you could choose to play and... The fear of – like, I, like I'm, with, I'm with you, Eric. Like, I don't have – with players, I don't have a fear of missing out. I fa- two weeks ago, what, three weeks ago, I faded that whole, like, uh, Seattle-Arizona game or whatever, the, the late when they, they had to switch the games. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, the, all these players are chalk, and they're all correlated to each other. So, like, to me, it's like, how do you even play them as one-offs? So either I'm mm-hmm. stacking the game or I'm fading the game. So I just decided to fade the game. Whoops! There goes all my GPP entries. I mean, <laughs> but I mean, but the correct process is either to play it or to fade it. So like, yeah. like I just like with you, uh, you know, if, if I fade Dalvin Cook and play Justin Jefferson and Cook goes off at 50 points, I can close my laptop and go like that. Uh, that's obviously within his range of outcomes. I get more tilted in in a, in a sense. So I don't get. I really don't get tilted. Uh, but tilted in a sense like you where you make the right decisions and you don't have the right combo mm-hmm. that like you, you play less lineups, but for me, like if I'm playing uh, 60 lineups in MLB or something like that, and it's like, uh, I faded, I, I stacked against the SB two, right? I I do that a lot. You get some shock, 40% don't B two, some $6,800 pitcher that is not very good, but he's just the best value, I guess. So you stack against that guy, he gets blown up, right? And then you you, you take the they take the stud pitcher that does well, and uh, and you have the three you have three one you have the 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 three part of your stack, and you're taking pieces of other games, and like you got Bellinger in there, you got Bellinger Muncy and Betts in there, and uh, you're absolutely right. It's just that uh, turns out Kiki Hernandez hits three home runs, right? Yeah, it's like you right. got you got the Dodgers fight, you got the the stack five against the SB two and the Dodgers three man, and you just like well I guess I didn't I didn't have to play Enrique Hernandez at, at second base because my sack was filling the second base spot. The Dodgers still put up 11 runs, but like my lineup is now sitting in like 18th place. And I look and I go well Enrique Hernandez is also outfield eligible, and I just didn't play I didn't play even though I had right I had Bellinger and Betts in there, and it's like well I, I could there there was a stack combination of me paying up a catcher, me going down at outfield, and that would have scored like 12 more points in first place. And I look at that, and that see, that's similar to you, where, like, I feel like I made all the right decisions, yet, like, I didn't, like, it was off by just this much, and just this much was the difference of first place and 30th.
1: Yep. Yeah, exactly. That's the, to me, that's the part that can can mentally tax you, you know that that's what will mentally tax me and like you know we're talking through all this like I think like it, it it's not like I'm like, oh my God eating my I'm gonna go hurl myself off a bridge but like you're you're human it, there's just a little bit of your you know you're you're frustrated, you're tilted whatever so i uh, I do think like with Alan's article, just like resetting is important no matter no matter maybe you lost once. Maybe you lost, like me, six weeks in a row. Maybe you lost, you know, 100 weeks in a row. I was watching uh, Peter Oberzet's, uh video, I think yesterday, recap video, and he, he talked a little bit about Alan's article too. But he brought up, you mentioned Ricky D earlier, so I don't know if everybody knows, but like Ricky D won uh, Millie Maker on uh, the random two-game slate that we had uh, when they had the – they pushed the Chiefs, the Chiefs Bills game to was it Monday night or Tuesday night? I can't keep track of all the fucking COVID uh, postponements. But it Bills, Chiefs, and Cowboys, Cardinals on a two random two game slate. They random millie maker Ricky D won it, but he had posted maybe this past summer or last year or something like that his Roto Tracker graph, and it's something like a six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollar downswing. Like it's just months losing hundreds of thousands of dollars you know and this is one of the best players on the planet this guy is one of the best tournament players that exists and clearly he just won a million dollars a few weeks ago so i i just think perspective like you know we talk all the strategy and how to make good tournament teams and all that kind of stuff and obviously that is like the most the most important thing but i do think it was really awesome that alan came out with this this piece because at the end of the day, we're, we're all human and we're playing this game, this game that can be very mentally taxing, no matter how skilled you are at managing that, that stress. I like to think I've been through it a lot. Even I will lose perspective, right? I'm, I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a downswing right now. It's easy to forget that you've been through this before, right? Like, it's really like you had all the ups, you remember all the ups, you know, You don't remember when you're in a, when you're in a downswing, like I am, you don't remember the last time you lost for two months straight. Like like you don't really, that that doesn't really like register, but you remember like, oh shit. I remember that, that, you know, adrenaline hit I had when it turned, when it, when it finally turned back around and I won six figures and now, you know, it's all good keeping all that perspective and like managing all that is like probably you know we talk about all these things that don't get talked about enough that probably actually is the thing that doesn't get talked about enough because there's so many guys out there posting screenshots and t- you know and touting their 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 plays that they called and and all that kind of shit um, because it's not comfortable to like be real and be like no I'm fucking losing <laughs> like like no like I I got my ass kicked today
0: well a lot of people know? don't even so, lot, like hey okay eric a lot of people don't realize that uh, a lot of people that post screenshots are losing players correct a lot a lot of people don't re- don't you, you see the screenshot once in a while and don't realize that like take 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 a look at the volume that they play and go how many times did they post screenshots and go how many times did they lose 80 percent on, on a given slate and see how much money that equates and go well that screenshot was only like a four yes it yes it's hundred and twenty three thousand dollars but you played thirty-six thousand dollars in volume. So like like it's four X. It's like that's that's not that impressive. Like that's that's not it's really not that impressive. You're playing against better competition. Yes, I get it. But you're also playing a 40-person field. So like like so stop beating your chest on on the, the amount of money. And we we, we we all the good players know. We we we, we know the swings. So coming across as like God's gift, like no I've never spoken to a good DFS player that has that attitude. Like they, mm-hmm. I've, I've 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 spoken to many, like top end GPP players. There's not a single one. It's it's very similar in, in comedy, for instance, in stand-up, it's a very very well-known thing amongst like good comics versus bad comics. Like a bad comic, a bad stand-up comedian, probably an open micer or something like that, will come off stage. After having an okay set, and uh, go on about the one the, the 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 joke that got a big laugh, like like oh I I you, you see you see that that bit like that was gold. I mean you say that, that look look the reaction, but it was not it wasn't even that good of a set, but that was okay you, you, okay you got one good laugh. Way to go! Uh, a good comic gets off a stage after completely destroying getting a standing ovation, right? Totally crushing after a half an hour, 45-minute set, goes back into the green room with his notebook and laments over the one joke that didn't work. Like, that's the sign of a good comic. So yep. in DFS, I view it the same way of every, every every DFS player that I that I respect, that I've ever talked to, the attitude is like, I constantly questioning whether or not you're good. I mean, just constantly like, like, oh yes, I won $50,000. But did I just get le- like, was it, was mm-hmm. it just, was it just, was it, was, was was I good? Or did I just get lucky? Did I just, yes, I put two secondary correlations in. Did I, did it just so happen that Trey Burton had a good game and it was correlated <laughs> with the other, did, did that matter? I mean, mm-hmm. what, did it just happen to be that? And and you get some of these wins, $100,000 on Garrett Temple shooting the lights out. Like, and i that's why when people are like, oh, way, way to go, great lineup. I mean, like, why'd you pick Jack Garrett Temple? It's like, because he was 3,700, he was a small forward that was correlated <laughs> with the other side of the game. There was no rhyme or reason other than, like, yeah. well, I'm playing D'Angelo Russell, I might as well play Garrett Temple in that spot. Like, <laughs> so you look at that and you go, is that really skill? Like, right. like, did I just get lucky? Like, And then you get into these these swings where like you're not winning and you're not, you're, sometimes you're not even coming close mm-hmm. and you go, go, you know, maybe, 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 maybe I've just been lucky the whole, I mean, but it, it, it's, I know I've been playing for five years and I know I play like the daily sports nearly every day. So the sample size I have is big and I have a wildly positive ROI. I'm still sitting <laughs> there going, uh, like did, did I, did I not, it, did the whole game change? Like it's one of those types of things where even it's like, well, maybe I was good, but now like everything's changed, right? Because we see that even from, from, there there are plenty of people that we know that, yeah, they they have a live final appearance from 2012 and you don't hear, hear much from them anymore, right? It's like, well.
1: The Twitter, the, the Twitter bio, yeah, 2013, uh, whatever. Fantasy you know, Aces <laughs>
0: live final, like a site that stole people's money, right? <laughs> Something like that. But nothing against. I have nothing against them, but I mean, you still have to question. Well, maybe maybe you just maybe you're not a profitable player anymore. You have Mm -hmm. to come. It's hard to objectively judge your play. So when I say that, oh, everyone should objectively judge their play, study results, DB, whatever. Even doing that, it's tough to go because there's
1: no there's no even after we get the results, right? There's no like right or wrong, right? So like even with baseball, right? We can generally have an idea of are you still performing well and getting unlucky versus are you, you know, are you just sucking, right? Like as a hitter, like if, if you're just never making contact and when you are making contact, you're hitting a 60 mile an hour ground ball right into the ground. Like you probably just suck. But if you're, you know, you're taking good pitches, you know, we have, we have plate discipline metrics. We have, how hard are you hitting the ball and what launch? Like we can kind of understand who is performing well, you know, totally separate from the results. In DFS, we can like you and I can sit here and like we have a process for understanding for the most part if someone is playing well or if we're we're playing well, but you don't really, you don't really know. You know what I mean? It's like my favorite example, it's uh I don't it doesn't really bother me. I don't care. But like so I played DK Metcalf this week, right? He's playing the Rams. There's the whole wide receiver cornerback bullshit stuff. So you have Jay, you have Jalen Ramsey and somebody's like, why the fuck did you play DK Metcalf against Jalen Ramsey? Didn't you know Jalen Ramsey was going to shadow him? And like, obviously, we can go into you know whether that that that's true or not. But then you, you see the box score, right? DK Metcalf has three targets and two catches or whatever, and and there people are like, yeah, like what are you doing? And you're so like, I'm confident enough. I we've gotten far along enough in this game that um, actually Evan Silva talked about it. Um, I think he was mostly talking about it like from a season long perspective last year. Um, like, he gets a lot of trolls, right? Uh, he, he, a lot of people like questioning his takes or whatever, but he's like, I'm confident enough in my process that I'm willing to accept the, w- w- when I'm wrong, but I'm not gonna like overreact to being wrong. Like, I trust my process. You know what I mean? And that's how I feel. I trust my process enough to where I'm not gonna like question it. But as a human, you're like, you watch the game. You know, you're sweating out this slate. I'm watching DK Metcalf never get the fucking ball, ever. And you're like, was that you know, you're was that stupid? And you know, was I just way off base? And like, you could argue either side. So that's that's just a one example of how difficult it is to really understand whether you're playing well or or not playing well. Um, It's just it's an objectively really hard thing hard thing to analyze. So that's why we don't get people like you know being real with like people don't have this conversation like we're having right now like people don't come on after six weeks of losing you know like i said i've had i had one of the sickest like last year like knock on wood i was super lucky last year in nfl i had an unreal nfl season like i had way more sweats than i probably even deserved like a couple of huge huge finishes then i had a great nba season it was just like an awesome like year run or whatever so It's easy to forget now coming into this year, having this, this tough stretch, it's easy to forget that this is how it goes. Right. You know what I mean? So it's, it's easy to start questioning that. And people don't have this, people don't have this conversation. So like I said, I'm really happy Alan came out with this, this article. I'm happy we're having this conversation because you know, it's obviously like helpful for me personally, selfishly, but um, I, I, like I said, I'm probably not even the person that has to, that like, you know, struggles with it as much as maybe some other people do, but it's like, it's a super important thing to me to, to, to be talking about. And just be like, we talked before the show, like just being real and being honest, you know, and it's not that people are not being honest in this industry, but I think it's an uncomfortable thing for a lot of people to talk about whether it's personal or business, business related reasons. But um, it's just something I think that that people should talk about more.
0: Well, I, I think it, uh, you, you highlighted exactly the the example I said about the comedy that your first reaction to your big wins are like, wow, I got incredibly, I ran really good. Right. Like, (laughs) just like, like I, the variance hit my way. Like that was your mentality. And you see so many DFS players, average DFS players that when, when they win, it's because they, they were good. And when Mm -hmm. they lose, it's because it was bad luck. And good players typically think the other way around. -hmm. Going like when they win, it's like, wow, I ran good there. And when they lose, it's like, well, that wasn't bad luck. I just, I just, I screwed up. Right? You look for you look for accountability. I I I always believe that uh when things go bad, when things go wrong, when you make when when something bad happens, the first thing you should look at is yourself. Like I'm until I can exhaust all the options in which I could have made different decisions that would have not been bad. I'm not going to blame it on anything else other than myself, but that, but in and of itself is very mentally taxing, right? Yeah, yeah. To beat yourself up every day going, not should I have faded Mike Davis like that, but I look through my lineups and go, did I put enough work in mm-hmm. like that? That Like it's, it's not to me, it's not even the decisions. It's the, I I look through other people's lineups and go, I didn't. I didn't consider that enough. Like I may not have done it. I may not have done that type of line of construction or whatever. But I'm like, I look at that and go, if I would have spent five more minutes, I would. I would have at least considered this. I wouldn't have gotten so locked on to this strategy. Or you look at uh, an MLB slate and you go, well, I'm just going to pay down twice a pitcher and just stack the expensive teams, and only because like like I'm going to fade the stud pitcher and like, that's the only, and then I make a hundred lineups just like that. And it's like, if I would have put in the extra five minutes worth of work, I could have at least had 10 lineups that weren't that. And Mm -hmm. I would have gotten to a Brandon Woodruff slash John Lester lineup, you know, on a (sharp) bad pitching slate or something. And that would have gotten me the stack that I like, it's, it's more of that I'm beating myself up over than, than the results. Mm -hmm. And that's why, like, as far as like, I don't have to play every slate. Like I, I, a lot of times I don't play Sunday night showdown. because so I'm just not, If especially after losing, like I'm, I'm the opposite. Some, some people like they lose Sunday's main slate. They're like, okay, time to make it back Sunday showdown. It's like, no, I'm not, I'm not in the, I'm not in the right mentality. Like I yep. just, it's, it's an, it was exhausting to have, you know, the early morning Sunday and tweaking lineup Saturday night late and whatever. And then it's like, well, I lost like, you know, you know what I want now? I just weren't able to just sit back on the couch and watch this game and not give a shit. Right. Like, exactly. just, just like, I'm just going to watch the Ravens and Patriots and watch everyone else tilt. And I'll make my jokes on Twitter. Cause it entertains me. And I have nothing on the line. <laughs> right. I, I've, there's yeah. no stress. There's no nothing. There's no sweating. It, whether or not Damien Harris or Rex Burkhead gets a carry doesn't matter to me. doesn't matter to me whatsoever. And like uh, Leone even tweeted about, like you can't even get wrapped up in oh I should have played the slate because I would have played it this way and it would have won like you get into that mindset of like well I gotta play the afternoon slate well I gotta play the turbo slate in nBA well i gotta play i I'm gonna play the soccer slate at nine thirty the showdown at eleven o'clock twelve o'clock is 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 nBA early the nBA early slate before the 1.15 start time for MLB on Sunday, and then you got the four pm like dude i I can't i I just can't be mentally focused, like for that long. And then multiple sites, even. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna play Fanduel and I'm gonna play Super Draft and, and DraftKings and Yahoo and dude, like maybe some people can do it, and I applaud them. I can't. So there's so many times that I've I've tried to do two sites. Like, oh, why don't you play Fanduel? I like I barely play Fanduel. It's like sometimes I play one lineup on Fanduel and it's for not much value. Because mm-hmm. you know how many times I, I, in NBA especially, right? Something happens, you know, twenty minutes before lock. And you're like, well, that flips the entire slate, and now you're <laughs> I'm rushing to change a hundred lineups on DraftKings, and then I'm doing that. I'm like, and it's 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 a seven o'clock start time. It's six fifty nine, and you're saving your Excel file and you're going to the upload button and you're you click the upload button, but you, really what you're doing is staring at the clock at the corner of your screen. <laughs> Oh yeah, because you're like because you need that in by seven o'clock, and that and that that on the DraftKings thing you get that processing little (laughs) thing, and you're like like you're rushing because I'm like saving the Excel file, I'm saving the Excel okay, I and then you have to make sure it's the right file because sometimes you have two open, and you're doing this and you're you're like you when you're hitting save on Excel, you see the clock turn to six fifty nine, so you know you have sixty seconds left. And then you're moving your mouse and you're like, no, no. And then you'd go to the upload, the upload screen. And you, and you haven't been to the screen in like the, for three hours. So DraftKings says that you have to log in again. So now you're <laughs> sitting there going, okay, you got 50 seconds left. And now you have to log in again. And now you're hitting the upload, but now you're like, I hope that doesn't turn to seven o'clock or I have a lot of dummy lineups in here. Cause I wasn't smart enough to like at six 30, at least upload something whatever, and then you get that in and you see the thing move and it's like, okay, 100 out of 100, whatever. And then even still, I open up my phone and just see if those lineups, because sometimes, who knows, it's an upload error and I did the wrong, I've done that before. I've not saved the Excel file and it looks fine, but since I didn't save it, I just really uploaded the same file again. Uh, you know, how? like, and then I do all of that and then the lock hits and then you know what I forget? Oh shit, I have a FanDuel line. Right. Like, and then I didn't, I like, I didn't even realize, like I was so concerned about getting Giannis out of my lineups here and like Middleton and everything and setting up the bucks that I just forgot. I have a lot. And then I, I have, I've, I've Giannis on on my Phantom lineup with $200 and uh, $200. And it's like, okay, poof out the window. So it's like, why do I have to put myself, how much, how much edge do I have to squeak out? I have to live with the fact. I have to live with leaving evie on the table i've accepted i've to me i've already accepted i expected i accepted that in poker when i played lower stakes where i played less percentage of my bankroll and and other players were like you're good enough to beat the bigger game and i'm like I'm, i could pay my rent just beating this fucking game so like like i don't need the glory you guys i'll go to tournaments with you guys you play the tournaments i'll play the side games i'll make my money you know, I'll, I'll come out of here with a couple of thousand bucks and I'm, I'm good. Like, like I've already accepted that, that, you know, yes, maybe I can win the world series of poker, but like, I don't need that. I, I don't need that for my ego. I don't, I would mm-hmm. almost rather be like, I, that's why I look at like what I'm doing with the, the course and with this podcast with you and Roto Grinders is like, if I can make 50 to $75,000 a year, like I take a look at David Sklansky and Mason Malmuth that did the two plus two books. Like they were all, they were 1530 limit hold'em players. They were 2040 stud players. They were like, these these, these, these weren't tournament players. They, they were really good cash game players. They played multiple games and they made books. Ray Z with stud, Ed Miller with small small limit hold'em, small stakes hold'em. Like these aren't the best of the best playing highest stakes, high tournaments, whatever, but these are still these are players that you do not want to see at your table like mm-hmm. the, these these are still the best players in the world they they just play middle stakes they don't need all the money they don't need the stress of going for $10,000 buy-in tournaments and losing 40 weeks out of the year having to get a backer right and having to float bankroll losses and things like that it's like no i'm going to share my knowledge and get more i i i care more about can I make $50,000 a year and uh help people and like I I'm an entertainer by heart. Like if I if I had uh-huh. a choice between anything, I would I would have an hour HBO special, like I mean like as a stand-up comic. But the mm-hmm. amount of money that there is in stand-up comedy is like <laughs> like you you're you're more likely to be a winning uh top pro, top DFS player than you would to be a top stand-up comic. Right? The chances of you being uh, in standup comedy to becoming Jerry Seinfeld or Chris Rock it's it's you it's a thousand times easier to be to be awesome to be to, yeah. to be the number 1 dfs player it's it's a thousand times easier so putting the two things together go okay can i give some people some laughs some entertainment right as well as play and do well playing and not have to feel the pressure of like do i need do i need to care about i look at i look at like I look at my, my profile on, on, on Roto-Grinders, right? Because they changed the scoring. So now it's, it really negatively affects me because uh, I don't play high buy-in stuff. So now I'm ranked th- th- 730th overall. I have, to, I have to get past the notion, which I already have because the rankings don't fucking mean anything, uh, yeah. uh, that other people think the rankings mean something. So I'm going to get a Twitter message going like, why should I buy your course? You're only 730th ranked. Then I look at that person and go, well, this is someone that's never going to be successful in DFS. Yeah. You, don't, <laughs> you don't understand how the rankings, you don't, that, that one doesn't equate to the other and who, who gives a shit, right? There are plenty of super heavy, well, yeah, the rankings are ge- geared towards volume and geared towards buy-in level. Yeah. My average tiered buy-in is $16. It's going to be very hard for me to be in the top 100, <laughs> not playing $1,000 contest. I mean, that's, I, I'm fine with that. And I'm fine with answering the questions. If I get a couple of people that are like, well, I think you're bullshit. I think you're full, full of shit because you're not ranked high on the RG leaderboard. Well, I, I don't think I can help that person anyway. Fuck them, right? I mean, like at, at some point you have to say that uh, if, if, if you don't get it, you don't get it. And I'm not going to be able to help everyone. So uh, I would hope that this episode and Alan's article could highlight the, I think the two biggest things. One is how to handle the, the mental side of, of losing, which is going to happen. But I think for many players that are, that are new, that are, are first taking it seriously, or that have been playing for a while and just don't realize that they could be playing well and still losing, that this is, this is normal. This is the expectation that you should have. If you're going to play GPPs, if you're not losing 90 plus percent of the time, you're not playing well. So if you are losing 90% of the time, don't sit there going, oh, okay, I subscribed to Roto-Grinders. Let me try, let me try. Now I'm going to get my picks from some other guy. Like, you're, that's, not, that's not how you win, first off. Like, it's it, it, tools, and you could use all these sites for tools, projections, process, access to, to good players and Discord, stuff like that. But it, it's it's never about the picks. It's about playing well. It's about building lineups. And if you're going to build lineups with like the, I listen to 20 podcasts and I'm going to play Mike Davis, Duke Johnson and Aaron Jones. That's what everyone says. And then you're, you're playing a large field contest or even a small, even, even if you're playing the fucking power sweep, like that's 2000, 4,000 person contest. Like you you ain't winning with your cash lineup. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's not going to happen and it, until you come to that realization that you that you you have to be you have to have no fear in poker same thing i mean if you grew, if you grew up in the late in the early 2000s you saw it you saw it. They, that they, the commentators always you know when one guy just shoves all in with nothing and and knows the exact spot to do it and gets the other guy to fold it's like like he's putting his tournament life on the line and wow he got that bluff like Unless you're willing to make those moves, you can't possibly, you're never, you're never, uh, you see that in poker. You're never going to get hit with the deck hard enough in a poker tournament that you could just win by getting good at, like, by waiting for aces. Like, if you're just going to sit down at a poker tournament and go, I'm going to wait for aces, queens, kings, ace, king, I'm going to play straightforward, and hopefully I could beat a thousand people in this tournament. Like, you, like, yeah, that's a good way to get to the bubble. But like You could probably get to, and get to 78th place and get like 1.5x or 1.8x, whatever the first payout spot. You could. You, if you did that over and over again, you're still going to lose money. Like you, At some point, you have to make moves. At some point, you're going to have to play poker. You're not going to just like, I'm just going to wait for the hands. Sometimes those hands come. Sometimes they don't. But you're, you're in a poker tournament right now. You're going to get a certain amount of hands. The blinds are going to go up, and you're going to have to do something. You have to steal right you have to look for the perfect spot to make a squeeze play and go I got nothing here but that guy's raise is bullshit so I'm gonna just go over the top and take his money and because I you have the experience to read those situations and sometimes you'll get caught sometimes what ends up happening and people don't do it in poker games also you know how many times i've've I've made like a semi bluff or a bluff type of move where like maybe not a huge one maybe not that all in for a thousand dollars type of move but Guy makes a twenty dollar bet on the on the river like in a one two type of game, and I go I go seventy five at the end like when when like a flush card comes out that I miss like I don't have it, right? So it's just, I'm using it as a scare card like I missed my hand, and I think the guy's trying to steal, and then he calls me and I turn over my hand and I proudly say Jack high, I go Jack high, and they look and they look at me like 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 Jack high flush like to, like nope liter- literally Jack high and they're like no I got a pair of eights. And they win the pot. It's like, yeah, because I made a play there. It's going to work It's gonna work X percent of the time compared to the pot size. And yeah, all, all I need to do is work like 30% of the time and I'm profitable. So 70% of the time, it ain't going to work. And I'm not embarrassed. You see that at the mm-hmm. poker table where I, I, I've, I've called people's bluffs, right? I'm good at, I'm, that was my skill at poker, typically live. Very good at hand reading, betting patterns and everything. So I'll call a guy, I'll call a guy with, very, a very weak hand at the end or something and I'll call and then I'll wait. Cause obviously I called, so they're the, they're the aggressive action. So they show first they don't want to show, right? They're, they're, they're embarrassed that they bet with, but they got caught, right? Caught with the mm-hmm. cookie jar, right? And I turn over my hand, which is like, I got, I got, I got third pair. And they look at me and they're like, how the fuck do you call me with third pair? Cause they have they have nothing. Right. And they get mad and they don't even want to show their cards. It's like, why are you embarrassed? Like that, you made, you made a good move. Uh, probably against most of the other players at this table, it would have worked. Enough of the time that you mm-hmm. should be making those moves. Hell, maybe it works, works enough of the time against me, even. You just happen to get cut. You only had, it, had to have it work 30% of the time. You have to come to the realization that 70% of the time, you're going to have to show your garbage fucking hand. Like that, and not be embarrassed about it. Because that's how poker is played. And it's the same thing in DFS, right?
1: Yep. hundred percent.
0: Right. You got You got to show your bad lineup. You got to show, I got to show my Michael Thomas snowflake lineups, right?
1: Yeah. That's what I actually, so, uh, you know, and some other people probably know, like I write a recap article of like my main DraftKings tournament team every week, um, which will come out today on, on Roto grinders. And like, it's funny. Because the, exactly what you just said, like, especially right now, like, I'm um, showing losing teams. The teams, like you said, Michael Thomas Snowflake, he'll be in there. DK Metcalf, he'll be in there. And, like, I have to talk about, like, the process behind that, right? But it, it has actually helped me. Um, and why I tell people, like, one of the most important things is to go back through your teams and, like, objectively look at, like, okay, here was my thought process for this did, uh, like you, you've outlined it, right? Like if I knew, if I knew like the ownership and if I, and looking back and if I knew what I know now, not results, ownership and everything, would I have done it again? Like that, that, that's the process I go through every week and I, and I write about it and it has, it has helped
0: me like stay sane,
1: you know, during, during a downstretch. I think it's important. Um, right. Had you you known Russ
0: was only going to be 6% owned, like, like how do you not like, play Russell yeah. Wilson at 6% like I I Ru- look at that and go I the reason why I played Russell Wilson stacks was because I thought he would be 6% owned and yeah. Allen and Murray would be 15% owned and to me that's inefficient so I'm going to go for the Seattle yes. stacks like yes. and then it came out that that's exactly what happened it just turns out that the Seahawks didn't get there so like I look at that and go what 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 else am I supposed to do I that's that that ha- that's the reason why I played him mm mm-hmm. Mhm
1: Yeah. So that's, you know, uh, the summary of kind of what this has all kind of been about, right. Making the right decisions. And, and I liked the poker, I like the poker example. Um, like the, you know, embarrassed to show a bluff. Like I was showing a reference point of how, like, I'm not embarrassed to show my losing shitty, shitty teams. But, um, I think it's super, super relevant because people are embarrassed to be like, when i lose like here's what i played here's i played i scored 67 points right like 251 and i scored you know i scored whatever um and i and like i think everybody has that struggle at first but i think once you get comfortable another one of these things like you know comfortable being uncomfortable once you get comfortable with that like yeah, I lost, but here's what I did. And I actually feel pretty good about it. <laughs> like, that's, what's been the funny thing for me. And and it's also actually where I personally like find comfort even during down stretches is when you can look back and you're like, yeah, I like what I did. They're like, yeah, but you lost. Yeah. But I would do that shit again. I would do it. Again. I would make that same team again. I, I I would absolutely do that. Like, you know, that it's not that simple every single week. Sometimes there are things you might change, but like in general, I'm like, yep, that was a good team. Happy with my process this week. Didn't work out. On to the next. And I think once you can get to that point of like feeling that way, and even if you feel like you fucked up, at least if you know, you can look back and be like, okay, I, I should have done this. I should have done this differently. That's good. But when you're just like turning like Sunday, the slate's over, or you 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 pull up Monday and you're just like tilting, like, oh, I got so unlucky or, oh, if only, you know, if only, Russ would have thrown the touchdowns and not Alex fucking Collins. Like, oh, you know, I just got so unlucky. It's like, no, like, you, you, as long as you can objectively kind of get to the point where you're comfortable, understand, you know, you're comfortable in your process and like, that, that's Mike and my favorite phrase, like, comfortable being uncomfortable. Uh, once you can get there, I think it like unlocks, it unlocks so much potential in your in your DFS game because even a lot of good players are really not very comfortable being uncomfortable. So it's it's a huge weapon.
0: Right, so if uh, if you have any questions about about this, if any any experiences that you have, you could always send them in. Questions at DFS dot com. You could uh, tweet us at blenderhd or Eric at Eric Bime 4 on Twitter. I, it I, I think Two weeks I think in a row. I think yeah, I got it. I think less <laughs> people talk. I I I think the real reason why less people talk about it. Uh, number one, uh, a lot of the top players just aren't even on. Twitter. I mean, like. They don't give a shit mm-hmm. about like the industry or anything like, like they're just, they're, they're out making their money and who gives a fuck? Like, like they, mm-hmm. there's plenty of that, right? You take a look like, you don't, you don't, you don't see some of these guys on, on jabbering around on Twitter or anything. Uh, number two is that people are, that because the, the common marketing in the industry is, you know, come here to win. Come here to win. Look, our subscribers win. I went, look, I helped these guys win. And look, oh, here's a guy that I helped and he won a million dollars. You know, it like gets all that type of crap that like, yeah, you can't talk about, you can't talk about the losses because it makes you like, it's because other people, the aggregate of other people screaming about, you know, you know, oh, someone, a site has 11, a uh, thousand uh, uh, subscribers. Yeah, the, one of them is, is. Vi- Liable to have a, a good week every week. I mean, so it seems like oh, everyone's winning. No, not everyone's winning. Most people are losing, because that's what happens. It's not the site. It's not Roto Grinders. It's not Awesomeo. It's not Guru. Whatever. It's ninety percent of the time you should be losing. I mean, look, it only pays out like the top twenty to twenty five percent. Like mathematically, if everyone was equal, you'd lose seventy five percent of the time. So like, <laughs> right. so like, what do you what do you expect? So I think it's the the unrealistic expectations that have come out for the past 10 years in DFS that either that oh you sign up and you expect to win and that's why you see people bouncing around and people that are just that mm-hmm. never get good because they've never been conditioned to understanding like what the swings of good play is that if they don't if they don't win at least half the time then it's it's bullshit right it's like oh I uh, I think that's that's the main. Th- I would l- I would love to see that switched around. I mean, it's I mean, it's 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 what I talk about, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's the reason why I post my results. As I do, I do it for two reasons. One, because I think it's helpful for people to see real results, not just screenshots. And number two, uh, it's a scoreboard. So like, I, no one can ever call, like, I don't want to be one of the types of people where people call me out and go, oh, you do you're doing all these shows and you don't play, right? Oh, you do, you do all these shows and you, you have you, when's the last time you won? It's like, fucking, I, I post my goddamn 1099. So like, take that shit to someone else. Like there it, and then you get the people that are like, oh, you only won $43,000 last year. Like, yeah, that's better than 99% of people that played DFS. So if that's not good enough for you, I'm sorry. I'm 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 sorry for not for only winning that amount of money. So, so uh, so I think I think we need more of this in the industry. So uh, thanks, Eric, for 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 sharing. That's why I had to hi- I had to highlight in the beginning that that you are a winning player because six weeks of losing it makes it seem like oh this guy sucks. It's like no, yeah. actually Eric's probably I, I think Eric's made more in his lifetime. Playing DFS than I have, uh, so it. I had my fifty thousand dollar win on the podcast. I at least want to share that. That you do win, but we still have to talk talk a lot about losing. Yeah,
1: it's important. I think it's it's yeah, you know, you talked about like the marketing tactics, tactics, and all that. People forget very short, you know, short memories, right? Like I I have had. Like I'm blessed, right? Hashtag blessed. I'm lucky. Things have things have run really good for me, like in the last year, but people don't care about that. They care about what's the last month, what's the last
0: week. Right. Look like people were on and, my stream this past Saturday. And and because I get the new people and like two people were like, have you ever won a GPP? It's like, dude, I literally won three weeks ago. Like, like <laughs> where have you been? Like, like it's, it literally just happened. Right. Yep. And I have other wins in my, my fucking profile. So it's kind of, it's kind of weird to see that even after a month, I have two bad weeks and I'm like, when's the last time I fucking won? Like even I'm thinking that going, yep. wow, that's, this kind of sucks. Yep. Exactly. So feel free tweet, ask questions, subscribe on YouTube. If you're on YouTube, hit that thumbs up button. Uh, if you're, if you're on, uh, it, it, if you're listening to this, you could always subscribe on iTunes, search for a theory of DFS and, uh, and leave a review there if you, if you, if you like the show. I, we never ask for iTunes reviews. Uh, I don't even know if they do anything, but whatever. Feel free to write something if you want. Rate and review it because they tell you that's what you're supposed to do to get you up on the charts that no one looks at other than other podcasters. So uh, so for Eric, Fine for I'm Jordan Cooper. It's been another episode of the Theory of DFS podcast.